0: Hello, thank you for joining us today. We invite you to connect with us on all our social media outlets. Now, let's go to the message. When you harness power and you are able to bring that power under your control and harness it, you are now using that power to do things for you that could not be done uh, ordinarily. But when we went to the, the word tame in Greek, exomorano, it means this. To discipline. Somebody say discipline. For us to be a disciple of Christ church, we have and we must have discipline. We must have discipline in every area of our lives. We must have discipline not only in the things of God, but we must have discipline in our marriage to stay married. We must have discipline in the way that we raise our kids so that we raise well-balanced, God-loving kids. We must have discipline in our money if we don't want to be broke all the time. You know, there's a lot of us that God keeps giving us promotions, and we just keep adjusting our lifestyle, and we're always, you know, you can have 500000 a year and still live paycheck to paycheck. It's not a money issue. A lot of times, many times, it's a discipline issue. Tame means not only to discipline, but to overpower. You and I cannot overpower our flesh, but good news, God has given us his spirit, and his spirit on us, and his spirit in us. You know, sometimes his spirit is not just going to make you speak in tongues. Sometimes his spirit's going to say, shut your mouth until you can say something worthwhile. Sometimes uh, the spirit of God in us is going to discipline us to erase the text message we're about to hit send on. So sometimes it's to overpower, to subdue, and we know In the Bible, the Word of God in the very first chapter says that we are to subdue, that God created us to subdue. We spent some time in Proverbs 18, verse 20, a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, meaning this, that whatever you say, your life will be, it will be multiplied in your life. That's what it will be full of. And so I want to encourage you to tame your tongue and get a great confession. Not only confessing what is positive, but confessing faith-filled promises of God. Declaring the word of God. You can never go wrong, believers, declaring the word of God into your life, into your situations, into your relationships. Somebody say amen. amen. So a man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Verse 21 is a more popular verse. It says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof, meaning everything that comes out of your mouth, you are either bringing life to something or death to something. What you say is a seed that produces the fruit that you are going to eat. So if you don't like what you're eating, say something different. If you don't like what you're seeing, say something different. If you don't like how you're living, begin to say something different. We're taught from the very beginning of our lives. Sticks and stones can break bones, but words will never hurt. We hear sayings like, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. And we ended last session talking about we need to quit building our theology and building theology in children from from movies like Bambi, which is where one of these phrases came from. Because a real believer shouldn't have to always shut their mouth. We should be able to discipline ourselves that no matter what is going on around us, no matter what we are going through, no matter what our life looks like, we can speak the word of God and make and bend our life to match God's word. Can I just encourage you today that you are one word away from things beginning to change. You are one word away from the tide beginning to shift. I want to challenge you not to shut up. The reason that our culture is like it is, is the people that have had something to say have shut up, and the people that have not had something to say, they are the loudest in our culture when you've got an issue like sexuality and homosexuality and gender fluidity and you've got all of these things that have become the number one issue now in our politics and the number one issue in social issues and all of these things going, when you look at the percentage of people that identify as such, they are the minority but they are the loudest and they speak the longest and they speak all the time about what they want to see. If believers would leave This building talking about Jesus, if believers would show up at school, at work, declaring the promises of God, we would not have a lot of the problems that we have. We can fix society by what we say, and what we say can begin to turn things in our favor. Our tongues can be the most difficult thing to control and leave us with great regret if we use our words to hurt, but there is hope. And the reason you're here on a Wednesday night, the reason I'm here on a Wednesday night is there is hope. There is a better way of living than the way some of us are living. There's a better way of going than some of us are going. Realize this, your mouth is a powerful weapon. It can add to your marriage or take from your marriage. It can add to your children or take from your children. Realize it's the same mouth that asks the question, will you marry me? And a few months later says, I do. It's the very same mouth that years later can ask for a divorce. The same mouth that is telling everybody that you're about to be a parent and that you're about to welcome in a child. It's that same mouth that can cut those children down to nothing by out-of-control words that we say in anger or frustration or in, in impatience. Can I encourage you? I'm not just talking about building a promised land. I'm not just talking about bigger and better through Jesus. I'm talking about our relationships, our children, our marriage, our church. Everything can be better if we will watch our words and rein in this powerful tool called our tongue. As believers, there should be words and phrases that are taken out of our vocabulary. A believer should not say, I can't, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or maybe it should be better said, you can't, I can't, but God can. And I'm, I'm grateful that I've got a God that is greater on the inside of me and greater on the inside of you than he that is in the world. You and I might not be able to get the job done, but when you said yes to Jesus and your allegiance is now to Jesus, what you cannot do, he can do, he has done, he will do. I want to encourage you, change your vocabulary. For those of you that love to say, I can't afford, change that. I choose not to buy. I'm gonna be more prudent with my purchases. I don't need that right now. Something I've been having to say all week or not say all week. I haven't said I'm sick, I said I'm fighting through, I'm fighting for, I'm fighting from. Don't declare what the enemy wants you to declare. Don't tip your hand to what the enemy is trying to do to you. The enemy should not be able to see if what he's trying to do is working in you. Declare the promises of God. By his stripes, I am healed. By the cross, he unleashed a power that I'm stepping into. Take away the phrase, I'm broke. No, you're not. Number one, if you're living in the United States of America, and you had a roof over your head, and you didn't walk to work or walk to church today, and maybe you've got two pennies to rub together, you are richer than most people in this world. You realize, listen, all of my problems seem very insignificant when I look to our neighbors to the east in Florida, and and Clearwater, and all of those places today. My problems just faded away. What I thought was a problem was not a problem when I looked at what other people are going through. And I encourage you today, you are not broke. God is going to meet your needs according to his riches and glory. You need to start declaring, I'm on my way to a better place. I'm on my way to a wealthy place. I'm on my way to a God-filled place. I'm on my way to a prosperous place. Quit saying things like, I'm never going to be able to. Say things like, I'm never going to be able to buy a house. Who says? I'm never going to be able to go to college. Who says? I'm never going to be able to serve like so-and-so. Who says? Quit listening to them and quit being your worst critic. Quit talking yourself out of the miracles and the blessing of God. Quit saying, I can't, and start saying, I'm going to be the first one that graduates college. I'm going to be the first one that buys a house. I'm going to be the first. Change it. Change your ifs to win. Change your ifs to win. If you've got a cancer report, change your if your your if to a win. When. when I get past this, when this is over, I'm going to do this. When this is oh, when I become this, I'm going to not if I make it. When I make it, not if I make it through. When I make it through, in Jesus' name. When we open up our mouth and say anything, whether it is a question or a declaration, we believe. We believe that what we are saying is going to have an effect on the environment we unleash it in. Otherwise, we wouldn't say it. All the parents in the room, and I don't care if it's toddlers or teenagers, when you say something, you're not just saying something to hear yourself talk. You are saying something that is going to change the atmosphere in your house. You don't say clean your room as a suggestion. When you say clean your room, you expect that there's going to be people in your house that are going to clean their room. When you say be home by midnight and you give a curfew, you are literally speaking out there. I know that other people are not going to abide by this, but since you live in this house, I expect you to be in this house before midnight. Why is it every time we speak about everything else, we expect something to happen? But when we speak about the things of God, we are so casual and nonchalant. When it comes to the things of God, I want God to move more than my kids moved. I want God to move more than any other thing on this earth. If we ask a question, we want an answer. If we deliver news, we want a reaction. If we make a statement, we want a response. Write this down if you're taking notes. Your mouth is your gateway to your next. Your mouth is your gateway to your next. It's the door that's gonna swing wide and uh, and introduce you to the next chapter of your life. This is not a name it and claim it, because we're going to get to this, some theology that backs this up, that it is a faith first and a declaration second. If you don't have the faith to say it, you need to work on your faith before you work on what you say, because what you say has to be in agreement with your faith. What you are declaring has to be backed up by the word of God the only way that it can be backed up by the word of god is you have to know the word of god for you to know the word of god and meditate on the word of god you have to read the word of god not listen to the word of god on a wednesday not listen to a podcast on a thursday you're going to have to open up the bible you're going to have to open up the app and you're going to have to say all right god speak to your servant because your servant is listening you've called me to do great things you'll put great purpose in me. And God, if I'm expecting to do what you've called me to do, then we're going to have to be on the same page. And God is never off the page. It is you and I that get off the page. So I need to make sure I'm in the word so I can make sure my faith is right. So when I open up my mouth, my mouth is in agreement with my faith, which is in agreement with his word. If you say something and nothing happens. It's not a God problem. It's a you problem. It's a me problem. You know how you can tell if you have authority? Just tell somebody to do something. Do they do it? I see way too many kids in the malls. They're the adults. They're the parents. You know, when they throw themselves down on, the, on the, in aisle three, And scream and holler until you buy them that toy. They are in authority. You are following their lead. I need some people of God to understand that there are miracles in your mouth. And when you read the word of God, it's not just to make you feel good. It is to challenge you. It is to change you so that we can be what God has called us to be. So that when I open and when you open your mouth, there's things that begin to change. There's things that begin to shift, things that begin to move. Your mouth is your gateway to your next. Your mouth is your gateway to your next. I've been putting this into practice in my life for many years, but it's it's amazing how you can practice on the little things, but a lot of times we don't want to speak to those big mountains. We speak to the molehills. You don't need God to move the molehills. You and a tractor can do that. You and a shovel can do that. But when you're called to greatness, you're going to be called to mountains and mountain chains. And God said, when you speak to the mountain, praise God, that mountain must move. I'm talking to people in the room and online tonight that it's not molehills you're dealing with. You are dealing with mountains. You are dealing with big things that seem like they cannot move. And you used it on a cough, but you haven't used it on a cancer. And you used it on a parking spot, but you haven't used it on prosperity. And you used it in this relationship, but not in your marriage. I'm here to tell you, I need you to find the biggest mountain mountain that God has called you to and I need you to start speaking to it. And you need to be surprised when that mountain doesn't start moving. You need to be surprised and you need to go back to the drawing board and say, God, what did I miss? What do I need to do so that when I speak, mountains move? Romans chapter 10. Here's some theology that goes with this. Romans 10 verse 9. We're going to read NIV. If you declare with your mouth if you declare with your mouth. One of the biggest ifs in all of the word of God is right here because we're talking about salvation. If you declare with your eyes, nope. If you declare with your ear, nope. If you declare with your mouth, what are we declaring? Jesus is Lord. Check this out. Not Jesus is Savior. Jesus is Lord. Savior, he is Savior of the world. But the only ones that, that, that take advantage of that Savior are those that declare that he is Lord. See, when you got saved and you said, Jesus, I'm going, I want to invite you into my life as my Savior, you are saving me from what? Sin and eternal damnation in a real place called hell without Christ. That is what he is saving us from. But when we say Jesus is Lord, Savior and Lordship are entirely different. This is what he said. Salvation doesn't come when you say Jesus is my Savior. Salvation comes when you say Jesus is Lord. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Here's the gospel right here. You must believe that Jesus is Lord. You must believe that he died for you and rose again for you. Those are, that's the concept, and those are the ingredients that we must believe in to receive everlasting and eternal life. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Aren't you grateful for salvation today? Aren't you grateful that no matter what's going on in this world, no matter if it all ends tonight, before your body hits the floor, you will walk through gates of pearl on streets of gold, and you will see God face to face. So here's the question, church. If you declare Jesus as Lord and you receive salvation, then why do we not believe when we declare Jesus as Lord that we can receive healing? Deliverance, power, prosperity, anointing, his spirit. Whatever you need when you declare Jesus as Lord... It got you salvation. It'll get you anything else in this world. How do I know that? Because salvation is the, most, is the most expensive thing that he could give us. It's the most important thing in our lives. And Jesus said, all you have to do is believe in your heart, that is faith, and declare that I, Jesus, am Lord, that I was raised from the dead. All you have to do is believe that, and salvation comes to you. Everything else is lesser than salvation. As important as your health is, it's not as important as your eternity. As important as your family is, it's not as important as your, is, as your eternity. As important as your finances are, and, and you say, well, they're not that important. Then why do you work like you work 60, 70 hours a week? If Jesus is Lord, God is salvation, then declaring Jesus is Lord is going to get me healed. Jesus' Lord is going to get me wealthy. Jesus and Lord is gonna give me a Jesus Lord gonna give me a strong marriage. Jesus is Lord is gonna work in my family and my children. Jesus is Lord is gonna work in my community. Jesus is Lord is gonna work on, on floor three at the hospital. Jesus is Lord is gonna work in the in the in the, the courtroom. Jesus is Lord is gonna work on Main Street. We've got to remember Jesus came to be our savior but all the rest of our life we don't need him to be a savior. We need him to be Lord of all And as I've said from the moment I started preaching many years ago, he is either Lord of all or Lord not at all. I want to encourage you today. Make Jesus your Lord. Make that a confession. Jesus, not only are you my Savior, Jesus, you're my Lord. Jesus, you're Lord of my job. Jesus, you're Lord of my family. Jesus, you're Lord of my mind. Jesus, you're Lord of my mouth. Lord of my hands. Lord of my feet. Verse 10. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. That's with your heart. It's not a mouth issue. You believe with your heart. That's faith. You believe with your heart, and your heart is what, and and your belief is what justifies you. Justified means to be declared righteous. To be in right standing with God. What you believe in your heart makes you in right standing with God. But it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. You say, well, I I believe. Do you? Because the Bible says that belief is just half of it. Until you turn it loose with your mouth. Until you begin to declare the word of God. Until you begin to declare the identity of Jesus. He said you have only met half of it. Remember this. The Bible says even the demons believe and tremble. They stop short of confessing. Every time you confess... You are unleashing the power of God into your life and into your situation. I love this. Every time Sister Tanya, I confess, I remind the devil, you are defeated and I took your spot. What you refuse to do. Remember why he got kicked out? He got kicked out because he tried to be like God. He tried to overtake God. I'm not here to overtake him. I'm just here to say, God, I love you. You are the one that change. You're the one and only true living God. I believe in my heart that faith makes me justified, but it is the profession of your faith that you are saved. Profess means to speak the same. It means to confess. It means to be in full agreement. How many of you have ever heard someone say something you know they didn't mean? Talked to you parents a little while ago. Remember when you used to make them apologize? The worst apology you ever ever heard. I'm sorry. No, you're gonna say it, you're gonna mean it like we can make them mean. Are you just saying it to say it? Are you saying it because the rest of the church is saying it on a Wednesday night? When, when, when we said, Hey, say keep your hopes up, has it just become another catchphrase? Or are you in full agreement that what God's word is saying, I am adding my amen, I'm adding my agreement, and what God's word says, I'm in agreement with. That's why church, the days that lie ahead of the church, big C church, we're going to separate the men from the boys and the women from the girls because what they're saying on the outside of this church is not in agreement with what the Word of God says. And what Washington says doesn't align with what the Word of God says. What most presidential candidates say does not align with what the Word of God says. And I am here to tell you, if I've got to pick, I don't even make an apology. I have to be in agreement with what God says, because when I open up my mouth and speak, I've tamed my tongue to match what God has said I've tamed my tongue to match to match to be in agreement profess also means to be in alignment to be in alignment this is something that that mature believers know to align yourself with God God doesn't have to move because God is never out of place when, when we align with God, we have to move to align ourselves. That's why, that's why Paul would say daily, he said, I crucify my flesh. He said daily, he said, I get a little off track, he said, I'm going to align myself back. Because if I go days, I can get miles off track. It can cost me a lot, but daily, he said, I'm going to bring myself into an alignment with God. So that what he says, I say. What he stands for, I stand for. What he does, I do. Verse 11, as Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Verse 12, this is something we should be excited about because unless I'm mistaken, all of us in here are Gentiles. For there's no difference between Jews and Gentiles. The same Lord is the Lord of all, richly blesses all who call on him. All who call on him. I was sitting in the green room, listening to Tyler before I walked out. And Tyler said, when I, for real, for real, for real got saved. See, most of us that grew in church, we got two salvation dates. The first one that didn't take, and the for real, for real one. Tyler found out that me calling on Jesus wasn't the same as him calling on Jesus. You've got to find out you're in a church. We are stronger together, but it's your mouth that's going to bring you salvation. Your mouth is going to get you healed. Your mouth is going to get you where you need to be. Said it doesn't matter Jews, Gentiles, whoever calls on that name, whoever tames their tongue enough to call on the name. One more verse, and it's a short verse. Verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who opens up their mouth. See, in 1998, 1999, when I got saved, July 17th, I called on Jesus. I called on Jesus because I needed to be saved. I was messed up. I was addicted. I was broken. I was hurt. I was confused. All of those things, and Jesus came in, and when I called on him, he met me right where I was.